the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you would bow your heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, they are there in the Bible. The women, one after another, Miriam and Hannah and Ruth and Mary, the mother of our Lord, and Mary and Martha and the woman at the well and Mary Magdalene and Dorcas and Eunice and Lois, of whom we have just sung. Their stories are in the Bible. Their stories are ones of great courage, of compassion, of mercy, of grace, of servanthood. Heavenly Father, be with the women that you have placed on this earth. They are angels to many, especially angels to their sons and to their daughters. In our Savior's name, amen. You may be seated. Proverbs 31.30, to begin in this Mother's Day message. Charm is a deceptive thing. Beauty is a fleeting thing. But a woman who fears the Lord is much to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned. And let her life be praised. Amongst all the people. And I cannot help, when I look at that verse, I cannot help but think of our mothers. Let their works be praised before all the people. The text for this Sunday is a very brief and yet tender one. It is from uh, the great apostle Paul's Letter to the church at Rome. It is the last chapter. It is the 13th verse. And he writes these words. Greet Rufus, chosen by God. And greet also his mother, who was my mother as well. Strange words. Greet Rufus and greet his mother who served as my mother as well. When we deal with outstanding people in history, we like to know what their ancestry was like. Luke tells us in the Gospel of John that the father, excuse me, Luke tells us in his Gospel that the parents of John the Baptist were righteous before God. And it speaks volumes about who they were and what they were like. Those few words, they were righteous before God. But when we come to the other giants in the New Testament, the great apostle Paul, we find ourselves in a quandary. For we know practically nothing about Paul's ancestors. He tells us in the Bible he was of Hebrew descent. He tells us that he came uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. 
And he tells us significantly that his father was a Pharisee. In the letter to the Romans, Paul mentions six individuals who were his blood relatives who lived in the city of Rome. But there is no direct mention of his mother. Theologians wonder why that is. I wonder about Paul's mother. Did her heart leap for joy when the midwife told her that she had delivered a male child? Did she stand 18 years later on the dock at the port city of Tarsus? And did she wave farewell to her son as he headed off to Jerusalem to study under the great master Gamaliel? Did she beam with pride when he wrote home to her and said that he had graduated number one in the class of Gamaliel? Did she rejoice when she heard that her son was the one chosen to extricate this new sect called the Christians? Did she beam with pride when he was chosen to get rid of them, to remove them from the face of the earth? And did his mother, pale with shame, did she shudder? Did she and her husband have to leave Tarsus when it became known that their son had joined this sect called the Christians? His father, a Pharisee, how deep was the embarrassment? Was he stripped of his powers? Did his mother stand up for her son, or was she so ashamed of him that she cut off contact with the boy she loved? Such things the theologians do not know. We come to the last chapter of Paul's letter. We see him say with emotion, maybe because his own mother was removed from his life, We see him say with some emotion, Greet Rufus and greet his mother, for she served as my mother also. The gospel writer Mark tells us that Simon of Cyrene was the father of two boys, Rufus and Alexander. Many a theologian believes that Rufus mentioned in Romans 16 is the son of Simon of Cyrene. And if that name is familiar to you, he was the one who carried the cross of Christ on the Via Dolorosa. If Rufus is his son, then the woman of whom Paul speaks in his epistle must be the wife of Simon of Cyrene. This woman at some time or other had served as a kind mother figure to the great apostle. Where and when? Was it in Asia? Was it in Europe? Did he, did she nurse him back to health? 2 Corinthians 12 tells us he had had some sort of affliction in his life that he asked God to get rid of. And God said to him, you're going to keep the affliction. Most believe it was a physical ailment of some sort. 
Did she come to him when he was sick? Did she weave the cloak for him that he actually accidentally left behind in Troas? He mentions a group that had come to visit him when he was in the prison at Rome. Was she part of that group? When he was in the Mamertine prison, did she come with home-cooked meals, with comfort and encouragement and faith? One uh, does not know. One does realize that this woman had some great impact in his life, for she served as the role of his mother. I want to share three things about mothers. Things to think about, things to pray about. And as I worked on this sermon, I thought about my mom. And as I worked on this sermon, I thought about my wife. And as I worked on this sermon, I think I thought heavily upon my daughter-in-law. First thing I would say, a mother is a sacrificer. My mom, five children in seven years. My wife, two boys, both of whom had grave illnesses. And my dear daughter-in-law, Rachel, four grandchildren. Keeps her very busy. A mother is a sacrificer. Did you realize that in more than one language... The word mother actually means martyr. Did you know that? The word mother means martyr. Very appropriate. A martyr is someone who sacrifices for a cause. And what greater cause is there than the children that God allows a woman to bear? Sometimes... Looking at my mom, my wife, and Rachel, sometimes they sacrifice with great joy and enthusiasm. And sometimes they sacrifice through tears. Because they'd rather be doing something else or playing some other role. A mother is a sacrificer. At times her dreams, her goals, her aspirations, her degrees, they get swallowed up. In the arms of her child. She finds joy in some of those sacrifices. She remembers far more poignantly does, than does the father. Those remarkable moments. So often Connie will say, do you remember this about John? Do you remember this about Josh when they were little? And I don't remember it all. But a mother does. Sometimes she finds great joy and sometimes she hurts a lot as she sacrifices. She stays awake at night thinking about things. She listens to the voice of society who says you ought to play some other role. But blessed is the mother and blessed is the home and blessed are the children. When the mother endures... And manages to hold on to the meaning of her name. Martyr. One who sacrifices for a cause. Secondly, I would say of mothers, 
They are the passer on of the faith. They are the passer on of the faith. Faith is something that can be passed on from one generation to the next. The apostle knew this, he understood it. For in his writings, he talked about the unfeigned faith in God that Timothy had. And he said to Timothy, the faith you have in God, it came from your mother, Eunice. And the faith that Eunice had, that she gave to you, came from her mother, Lois. Those are the ones we sang about in that hymn. And Paul says, I knew your grandma. And I knew your mother. And when I watched you grow up, Timothy... I know where your faith in Christ has come from. It's come from those two women. Mothers are passer on of the faith. Henry Ward Beecher, great writer, philosopher, and preacher, when troubled by doubts in his faith, as so many are at some time in their life, he paid this tribute to his mother in one of his writings. He said, you can put all the skeptical men that ever lived on the face of the earth on one side of me. And they may plead in my ear that God with us does not exist. And you can take all the scientists in the world and put them on the other side of me. And they can marshal all the facts in the universe to disprove the truth of Emmanuel, God with us. And yet, let me see my mother. When some joy came into our life, it was Christ's name that she mentioned. And let me see my mother walking in some great sorrow, but reflecting the light of cheer and hope and patience and comfort for others. And those two single instances My mother giving praise to God when a blessing came. And my mother's faith in God when suffering came. They are more evidence to me of the truth of Christianity than any argument that the wisest men in the world could ever bring. They are passer-on of the faith. There was a senator unnamed in Washington... An unbeliever. He was sitting in a session with other congressmen. And those men began to ridicule and tear to pieces the tenets of Christianity. And they began to mock the intellectual and emotional stability of others in the Senate who were Christian. After a long period of time... They turned to their colleague who had been silent. And they asked him for his thoughts. He said, you know, gentlemen, my mother was a strong believer in Christ. And you will never hear from my lips ridicule of one who follows Christ. I do not believe in him now, but I pray that sooner rather than later... My faith is the same 
that my mother lived. Not talking about, I've not talked about Mel Chansey in 15 years. Mel Chansey, Gold's Gem, president of Hell's Angels, the hugest individual I've ever seen. The size of him and his physique were enormous, just enormous. Body covered with tattoos, some of them rather satanic. The piercing of the every portion of body you can imagine. When Mel Chansey and his four buddies were in a Gold's Gym, I always stayed far, far away from that territory. I didn't want to hear their language or their stories. But one day, one day, there was a weight over there, and I went over there to grab that weight. And at that moment, God let me hear something. God let me hear his buddy say to him, Mel, your mother is an absolute saint. What in the world happened to you? And Mel Chansey at that moment said, My mother is a saint. She goes to Mass seven days a week. And then he said, It is time for me to start exhibiting the faith of my mother. It is time for me to start exhibiting the faith of my mother. I preached that particular story on Mother's Day some 15 years ago. And someone who knew Mal went over there and told him that I was preaching about him. (laughs) And Mal and I developed a friendship. Actually went to his house and, and got to know his mom and dad. And when he was on trial, I testified for him on my 39th birthday. And when he got out of prison six and a half years later, I had kept in touch with him when he was in prison. I must begin to exhibit the faith of my mother. Those were his words. The final point I want to make about moms, and this is crucially, crucially important. Mothers are martyrs, they are passers-on of the faith, they are the keepers of the spring. Uh, Let me explain a brief story. Once upon a time, a certain town grew up at the foot of a mountain range. It was sheltered by the protecting heights of those mountains, so that when the wind shuddered at the doors and flung handfuls of sleet against window panes, It was a wind whose fury had been pretty well spent. High up in the hills, a strange and quiet forest dweller took it upon himself to be what the people in town called the keeper of the springs. He was a hermit living up in the hills. He patrolled the hills. And whenever he found a spring, he cleared it of its silt and fallen leaves of the mud and mold He took away from those springs all foreign matter. And the water which bubbled up through the sand ran down cold and clean and pure. It leaped over rocks. It sparkled in the sunlight. Swollen by other streams formed a river that went through that town. 
There were mill wheels that were turned by the rush of the waters. There were gardens that refreshed the people with food by its waters. The children swam in that river and they played along its banks. He held that position for some 20 years. City council was elected. They were a group of hard-headed men. They looked at the civic budget and they said, What is this position, the keeper of the springs? Does anyone know about this position and why we are paying this amount for that position? The oldest man in the council said, I'll tell you about that position. And when they heard about it, they said, we do not need a keeper of the springs. We don't know if he does anything or if he even still exists. They removed him uh, from the budget. They said, let us build a reservoir and that will serve the purpose. No sooner did they remove him from his position that he stopped visiting the brown pools and he watched from the heights while they built that reservoir. The water, within a month, turned green with the scum that came across its surface. The mill wheels at the foot of those mountains were continually clogged by the slime. And worst of all, one child after another became ill. And then their older siblings and then their parents. An epidemic raged through that city. It took many a life. City council met again. Sorrowfully, it faced this town's plight. And frankly, they acknowledged their mistake in removing the keeper of the springs. City council walked up the hillside. They hunted a long time until they found the hermits. And they asked him to do once again what he had always done. He went back to the brown pools. He removed the silt and the mud and the mold and the scum. And in no time at all, the water was clean. The mill wheels were keaten. The children's health returned. The epidemic was gone. In almost 40 years in the ministry, in almost 40 years in the ministry, there is one who is the keeper of the spring. And that is the mother. When I think of my mom, I think of those nine gifts of the Spirit. When I think of love, I think of some act my mom. When I think of joy, when I think of peace, when I think of patience. Seven children, five children, in three years. When I think of kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness 
and self-control. I think of my mom. My dad was the minister. But if you ask me who the keeper of the spring was, it was my mom. She kept things out of the home. And if they entered the home, she removed them. Not my dad. My mom was the keeper of the spring. I did a baptism yesterday, closing in on almost 1,600 baptisms. 99% of them babies. And I said to Larry, excuse me, to Michael and Lindsay Kosiolik, I said to them in the vow they took, Will you set a Christian example for this child, Cain, in your words and your deeds in front of him? Will you teach him the doctrines of the Christian religion as he grows in years? Will you bring him regularly to the services of God's house someplace? Will you pray with and for this child every single day? They both answered yes. In all of those baptisms, half the time there are tears in one person's eyes when I'm baptizing the child. It is not the dead. It is the mom. And whenever I do a baptism, I sit and think to myself, the mother will be the keeper of the springs. And the mother will be the passer-on of the faith. And the mother will be the martyr, someone who sacrifices her life for this baby as long as this baby lives on this earth. You understand the sacred role that your mother has played. And if you have that same title, the sacred role that you play in our Savior's powerful name, Amen. Would you rise as we pray? I close with the verse, Lord, that I began this sermon with. Charm is very deceptive. Beauty is a fleeting thing. But a woman who fears and follows the Lord God Almighty is to receive the highest praise. Give her the reward, not just on Mother's Day. Give her the reward she has earned. And let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Let her works, her role as mother, be praised amongst all the people. In our Savior's powerful name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.